0: And the best part, you can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash p-o-p-p-o-d-s to get 50% off your first month.
1: Hey, this is John Ritchie from Exciter, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
0: You're listening to the Talking Metal podcast. Turn it up. Coming to you from Maplewood, New Jersey.
2: Hey, welcome to a very special edition of Talking Metal. This is Mark Striegel checking in with you guys. I know it's been a while. And if you stay tuned to the end of the podcast, I will fill you in on everything that's been going on with me personally and try to at least make a few excuses for why I haven't been uh, podcasting quite as much this past month. That last episode I posted with um, Gabe from Black Tide was actually recorded like long before I actually got it up. So anyways, I apologize for my absence. A big thanks to John for stepping up with a, a solo episode, a rare astronomy solo episode uh, a couple shows ago. I enjoyed it myself. Enjoyed listening to to John talk about metal and, of course, Ace. What else, right? Really excited for John's book coming out with Ace Freely. No regrets. Just around the corner, guys. It's coming out real soon. So please go to TalkingMetal.com and use the link that we have up to Amazon to buy that book. And I tell you what, that link actually gives us a little kickback, not much, on your purchase. And the book is uh, costs no, much, no more than it would in the bookstore or on Amazon without using our link. So, again, thanks for supporting Talking Metal. We'll talk about other ways you can support Talking Metal later on. One guy who is a big supporter is James Smith. James, you're the man. Thank you for making today's show possible. James is the executive producer on... Today's episode of Talking Metal, and our guest, booked by James, is John Ricci from the one and only heavy metal band, Exciter, legends in their time, never got the mainstream success that bands like Megadeth and Metallica and even Merciful Faith, for that matter, King Diamond got, but they were a part of that scene that that really gave birth to a contemporary metal, if you will. I mean, Exciter back in those days was a a very extreme band by the early 80s standards. And I remember just being blown away by, you know, Violence and Force, Born to Die, so many great songs by that band. Uh, Even Brave Words, the very respected BraveWords.com, recently listed their top 30 Canadian hard rock heavy metal albums of all time. And right up there at number four was Exciter's "Violence and Force," released, of course, in nineteen eighty-four. Anvil checked in. Let's just actually let's run down the uh, the top ten. Max Webster, Universal Juveniles, from nineteen eighty, checked in at number ten. Uh, I believe that album. I'm not researching this, so uh, I, I would need to Google it to be sure. Uh, I believe that album actually had Rush on a track. Um, Number nine, Razor, Evil Invaders. Number eight, Rush, Signals. This, of course, is hard rock and heavy metal. The top ten were going down as uh, the top ten greatest Canadian hard rock and heavy metal bands as picked by BraveWords.com. Number seven, Strapping Young Lad, City. Number six, Anvil, Forged in Fire. Number five, Rush, 2112, one of my all-time favorite records. Number four, as we mentioned, Exciter, Violence and Force from 1984. Number three, Voivod, Dimensions, Hatros, Hatros. Not sure how they pronounce that. Was never a crazy Voivod guy, so uh, excuse my ignorance. Number two, Another Anvil, Metal on Metal. And number one, well, of course, Rush, Moving Pictures. That's side one of Moving Pictures. I, I still, to this day, just. Listen to it through and through. Uh, I love it. The whole album, great album, but especially Side 1, which was probably the more commercial side of Moving Pictures. Always just loved that, loved that. Great band, Rush. I would say my two favorite Rush records were 2112 and Moving Pictures, without a doubt. Today we're talking Exciter. One of my favorite Exciter songs ever. One of my favorite songs from the 1980s, right now, Born to Die. Exciter, 1985, Born to Die, off of the Long Live the Loud record, which featured the original trio, Exciter was originally a trio back in those days, Dan Beeler on vocals and drums, John Ricci on guitar, Alan Johnson on bass and uh interesting story this band has uh those first three records again very influential you know they were out there touring with metallica with megadeth with except all, all the biggest bands all, many of and most of which went on to become bigger than exciter and i I, th- I feel like after talking to john which you'll hear this great interview we did with him um that maybe exciter never really realized what they had uh you know, John ended up leaving Exciter for a little while, which you'll hear about after the long Live the Loud record, um, you know, and eventually returned to the fold. But I, I, it almost sounds like Dan Beeler maybe didn't understand what a cool thing he had going on with the songs and, and with the fact that he was a drummer and a vocalist and had this amazing, shrieking, you know, peel the paint off the walls voice. Um, and I just loved it, I, and... Born to Die, what, that you just heard, was, of course, a great example of that. Let's get into another one. Off that same record, this is the title track Long Live the Loud. <laughs> that was exciter on the talking metal podcast a big thanks to james smith who is today's executive producer that's a great way to to influence a talking metal podcast episode is to become an executive producer like james did and uh you know shoot me an email i'll fill you in on the details on on what you need to do to become an executive producer Basically, uh, you know, chipping in, making a little donation to the cause here. We appreciate that. James uh, actually helped with a lot of the questions you'll hear in today's interview with John Ricci. Uh, He also, James, sent me in some songs he wanted to hear. How about something a little newer, if you will? This is Razor in Black off Death Machine by Exciter. just heard was razor in black by exciter off the recent death machine 2010 release good stuff we talk about that in the interview with john so uh stay tuned right now this is pounding metal off of that album violence and force that brave words calls the number fourth great greatest canadian hard rock and heavy metal album of all time pounding metal That was Pounding Metal off of Violence and Force 1984. Let's get into a little music off the original, the very first studio album by Exciter, Heavy Metal Maniac. came out in 1983. This is Under Attack. it is time to get into our interview with John Ricci, then I'll come back and talk some uh, random off-topic shit with you guys. So here we go. Without further ado, we'll get into a little thrash speed burn, a little sound sample here, and then right into the interview with John from Exciter. Hey, guys, on the line, we have John Ritchie checking in from Exciter. John, thanks so much for calling into the Talking Metal podcast. Uh, it's shocking to me that we haven't had you on the show yet, and uh, it's long overdue, so so welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, the support from, from your program, yeah.
2: And, you know, I remember Exciter going way back to, to my teenage years, uh, Those, especially those first three albums, but let's start off by talking about the current state of Exciter. I know it's, a, it's not a brand new album at this point, but Death Machine is still rather recent. Can you talk a little bit about that record and how it all came together?
1: Well, on this record, we decided to get really, really basic. I mean, our music's always been basic and not very progressive. You know, with Exeter, it's not about the flash. It's it's about the energy and, and the power uh, of what, you know, metal is. So um, I do most of the writing, so I purposely wrote very, very basic uh, sort of like anthem-type songs on this record. And um, it was recorded with uh, one of our longtime uh, producers here in where we live in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, his name's Manfred Leidecker. And uh... we did this record with him again, and um, you know, with you know, the songs that, that we wrote, which we thought would be great crowd pleasers, are, are not as much as what we thought. <laughs> and then the songs that we thought were okay, you know, so-so, they go over fantastic when we play them live. So it, <laughs> you know, sometimes um, it's hard to know which particular songs on the record the audience is going to react to, and and to how many plays. You know, the kids are, uh, are, are, you know, are playing on the Internet. So, but I, I think it's a strong record. Uh, we're signed with Massacre Records in Germany. We've been with them uh, for two records now. And, uh, you know, it's all it's all good. I mean, we've been, we went to South America this year. We went to Spain this year. Uh, we're doing a show actually in the U.S. in Chicago on November the 18th at a venue called Reggie's Rock Club, which apparently is a, a profile venue for, for metal bands, international metal bands, so we're looking forward to that.
2: So, Very cool.
1: Yeah. So, it's you know, we're on the roll. I mean, things are good.
2: Cool. Now, uh, one website we were looking at had you down as saying that Dark Command is actually one of your favorite Exciter records. Uh, is is that still true, or has, has Death it, Machine... It, it, it's, it
0: is. It's,
1: it is uh, no, it is, because that record... You know, I had something to prove because that was the first record without, like, the original lineup, like me, Beeler, and, and and Johnson. You know, and so I had we had to prove I had to prove something that we could I could still do it without Dan Beeler and without Alan Johnson. And uh, it's just, I think it's a very very strong album. I, I think some of the songs uh, are equal as some of the classic cetera, stuff from the eighties. So I was really happy with that record, you know. And then again, we we judge our songs by how the audience reacts. And there's a lot of uh, favorite songs that you know the kids are always asking for when we play shows. And I, it's, I, you know, I agree. It's one of my favorite records. I mean, obviously, the the first album, Heavy Metal Maniac, is a cl- all time classic, <laughs> even today. So, but I, I I feel really strong about the Dark Command. Yes,
2: and. Let's talk about some of the, the people that you're, you're currently uh, playing with in Exciter. How did Kenny Winner actually come to be uh, Exciter's current lead singer?
1: Well, you know, uh, Kenny lives in Brooklyn, New York. And after Jacques Boulanger, singer of like 10 years, who had quit the band and rejoined like three times, um, finally, he quit for the last time, and we, you know, he didn't want to stay, and we didn't want him back. So, <laughs> um, Kenny, through friends in New York, heard that we were looking for a singer, and uh, Kenny told me, you know, he knew about Exciter, but he really didn't know deep, you know, how deep the band was as far as like, you know, the profile that we had, and you know how we sort of made history with being one of the pioneers of speed and thrash metal. So he was actually uh, encouraged by his friends to contact us to, to audition. So uh, when he came up here to Canada to audition, I mean, he blew us away with his voice because uh, we need a screamer. We need a guy who can hit all the high notes. I mean, that's what Exciter's known for. You know, we knew he was the guy, and he told me later that when he heard us play live in, in, in the rehearsal room, you know, he wasn't expecting such energy and intensity like he heard on our records, you know. So he he, he was impressed with us <laughs> as well. So, you know, we're almost sort of auditioning for him because <laughs> he, he had no idea what to expect. But a, it turned out that everything worked out really good. And the way we, we work our rehearsals since he lives like 10 hours away from us, he'll come to our city, you know, once or twice, every two months and rehearse with us and you know it's been five years now he's been in the band and the relationship is working out really well
2: cool that was my next question is he still based in Brooklyn and it sounds like like he is I mean
1: I I would never ask anyone to to leave (laughs) the Big Apple to live in Canada I mean you know what I'm saying like you know Canada I mean where we live it, it is the capital city of Canada but The music scene and the entertainment scene is nothing like it is in the U.S., so I told Kenny, look, you're in the band, you got the job, and we'll just try to work out the rehearsals as best we can. And, you know, the thing is, we're such seasoned musicians. Sometimes Kenny just can't come up and rehearse with us, and we have a gig coming up, like, in Europe or, you know, some part of the world, and sometimes we don't even rehearse with him. (laughs) And we go on stage cold. And honest to God, you know, it sounds like we never missed a rehearsal. Wow. So we're, um, you know, I'm lucky in that sense that the guys I'm playing with, uh, you know, we're all seasoned musicians. So we don't have to practice constantly to keep tight.
2: I gotcha. And, and yeah. Clammy, I guess, joined the band, what was that, 2004. He's been with you guys a while at this point. But uh, how did you originally come in contact with him?
1: Well, I've known him the 80s. He's originally from Montreal. He moved to, uh, to Ottawa in the 80s, middle 80s, and we met through mutual friends. And uh, we were rehearsing in, in, in the same uh, venue as where his like band practiced at. And um, we had a gig in, in, the, in the Boston area, and unfortunately, it was shortly after uh, 9-11. And uh we had one or two gigs in the Boston area. And the bass part that I we had just uh, hired quit on me at the last like two weeks before the gig. Okay now, was that was that after nine eleven? Okay, I'm getting confused now. <laughs> Too much Jack Daniels. Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well cheers, I'm drinking a beer here, no Jack quite oh, yet tonight.
1: Oh, no, but... no, I, I'm not drinking alcohol I'm just <laughs> Oh, uh, just my memory's going. You know? Oh, you just was...
2: mean too much, Jack Daniels through the years.
1: Yeah, yeah, through the years. Yeah, I'm drinking ice water actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I asked Clammy, "Look, can you just help us out for this one gig? You don't have to quit your band. I don't. I don't want to cancel this gig. You know, I want to do the gig." And he agreed, and, and he rehearsed the set with us. And when we played the show. You know, it was like he had been in the band for twenty years. You know, he was a perfect fit for the band. So, after that, I said, "Look, you know, Clammy, do you want to join join us full time?" But I said, "You don't have to quit your band because you can do both bands." And Clammy's a really outgoing type of guy, and you know, um, he talks. I mean, I talk to the media, but he talks a lot to the media and. You know, he handles the Exciter MySpace, and he's talking to fans constantly, and he's on Facebook. You know, um, so you know, like all in all, he's he's a great asset to the, for the band. You know.
2: Cool. Well, we we've, we've spoke about Kenny and and Clammy. Uh, tell us who the drummer of Exciter is right now. And oh, uh, well, Rick
1: Rick Sharon. He's been with me since 1996, since the first incarnate incarnation of. Um, for the new Exciter, and he's been with me ever since. So, besides Dan Beeler being the, the original drummer, it's, it's been Rich Sharon. So, uh, he, he also played in a couple of local bands, like uh, more like Death Bands. And uh, when I was putting the new Exciter together, he he wanted to audition and he got the job.
2: Now, you've mentioned uh, Dan Beeler, of course, original vocalist and uh, drummer of Exciter. And there was also Alan Johnson. Do you ever hear from those guys anymore? And are they supportive of, of you continuing the Exciter band?
1: Well, I mean, we're in touch, but we're not on the best terms. Uh, back in 2006, some really bad stuff happened between us, and I was really like, you know, disappointed in their behavior towards my current band and it caused a lot of friction and we we, we didn't talk for many for you know since then. Mm. But uh just recently um you know I've bumped into Dan Dealer just by chance and uh but you know it's i would say it's a very strained relationship between me and Al and Dan. Right. So ba- basically we don't we don't talk, no. I gotcha. It's a long, complicated
2: story. <laughs> okay. So, well, you know, back back when I was a, a kid, those first three Exciter albums, I would say, were just uh, such in, important parts of, of my teenage years, along with bands like, you know, Megadeth, Except. I was listening to, uh, of course, Metallica and uh, Armored Saint. And, and I just wanted to ask you about your your days of touring for those first three albums back in the in the, in the heyday, if you will, you guys were, of course, literally forging into new musical territory, uh, with, with, with your band, um, going places that, you know, many bands like Judas Priest, for example, hadn't gone. You were kind of taking metal into a new place, and just, just wondering if, if you can remember, maybe some of the bands you toured with back in the day, and, and if you have can share any stories from those those tours. Say with a band like Accept.
1: Well, yeah, I have a zillion stories. <laughs> uh, the Accept tour happened, we had just finished recording Long Live the Loud in London, England. At the time, we were signed with Music for Nations. And we recorded the Long Live the Loud actually at uh, Pink Floyd Studios in London, England um and the producer was a, a one-time Motorhead producer his name is Guy Beatmead. and uh, he did the record. and right after we finished recording along with the loud music nations called us up and said hey we just got you a 10 city european tour with accept you guys leave like tomorrow you know like the, you know after the very last day of recording so of course we're just totally blown away and excited and uh we did this ten-city tour. Uh, high attendance at all the shows, like in, in like Switzerland and Belgium, and Germany. Um. We played in Paris at this venue called Le Zenith, which was this huge tent, uh, which was like a burlesque, like a cabaret kind of venue, and occasionally they would have rock concerts there. So, you know it was a really good show, that particular one, and then the last show was back in the UK at the Hammersmith Odeon. I mean, it's every band's dream to play the Hammersmith in London, so that was March 1985, and the Accept accept guys were very cool guys, very nice, they sort of kept it themselves, uh, but they were very very polite, very nice, and so on, and there was a couple of times uh, during sound check where uh, the guitar player uh, Wolf, the lead guitarist, uh, wasn't there for sound check. So the sound man would ask me to get on his guitar and do sound check. Oh, cool! So, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, there's was a lot of cool stuff like that. You know, um, now the Megadeth tour, I believe, eighty-four, eighty-five. We met up with Megadeth, uh, the first day it was in uh, in L.A., like Long Beach, I believe, at Sanders Ballroom in, Long, in uh, Long Beach. And we got along extremely well with the Megadeth guys. They were, tra- no, this was the early beginnings of Megadeth, right? So they were traveling from city to city in a station wagon. And Garth, the drummer, was, was driving.
0: Wow. And we...
1: <laughs> And we were we had rented a, a nice uh, motorhome, like a Winnebago motorhome, air conditioned, you know. <laughs> and the, the Megadeth guys were going from city to city, from city to city, in the station wagon. So there was one particular show that uh, we got there first at the venue, and all the gear was set up. But no Megadeth guys. Like, where are they? Where are they? You know, they they were on the highway. You know, turns out that Garth, who was driving, fell asleep at the wheel, (laughs) went off the road, and took out like 10 farmer's uh, fence posts.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And they all, because Mustaine was telling me that they're all sleeping at the time. And they all woke up when they they hit the first fence post. And it's like, holy shit, man, what's going on, you know? Wow. And luckily, luckily, no one was hurt. So here they are. They totaled the station wagon, so they, it was a rent a rental. So they called the rental company <laughs> and said, uh, "We've written off our station wagon. Br- Send us a new car." <laughs> and they did. <laughs> so, so they finally showed up at the gig. You know, like an hour before showtime, but everything went well. But it was, you know, it was a pretty interesting story. You know,
2: definitely, definitely crazy yeah, times. I
1: mean, And then one night, um, Dave Mustaine wanted to come on stage and play a song with us. And he was really fond of uh, one of our songs, Pounding Metal. And he said, hey, John, man, I really like that song. I'd like to jam it with you at the next show. I said, said, Dave, you can't come on stage with me because you're going to totally blow me away. You're (laughs) going to make me look bad. So he laughed, and I said, okay, okay, let's do it, you know. So I I said to Dave, look, let's wait like two bars into the song. You stay behind the the Marshall Stacks, and then you make your grand entrance on stage, you know. And that's that's exactly what happened. Two bars into the song. He steps on stage with his guitar, and we're standing side by side. And then we had uh, agreed to extend the guitar solo parts so he would play a solo and i play a solo he play a solo we go back and forth back and forth and that was quite the moment, you
2: know wow that's an awesome story yeah and yeah. merciful fate you guys toured with uh, merciful fate king diamond merciful fate too right
0: yes yes
2: and how were those yeah. guys i mean i remember back in those days they were you know it's funny you talk to kids today and they don't realize like what you guys and merciful fate and metallica were doing back in in those days was, was so extreme you know uh, and uh, almost on the fringe of i don't know you know pop culture if you will you guys were kind of outside of that you know doing this this such dark heavy loud stuff and and uh merciful fate was definitely uh raised a few few eyebrows back in those days any stories uh from the tour with them
1: well on that tour we actually shared the tour bus with uh... merciful fate and again you know we, we get along with like ninety nine percent of every band we play with or tour with or share the stage with we get along with everybody you know because we're down to earth we're people persons uh... we have no attitude so we get along with everybody but uh, on the merciful fate tour i mean we all those shows are great i mean uh... king diamond's a very nice person you know i i, I can't recall any specific story, you know, like funny moments or anything like that. But, but uh, no, that tour was very successful. And then, again, you know, this was exciting for us because here we are touring across the United States, you know, city to city, uh, on the tour bus, you know, like, I mean, even at at my age, and I've been at it for many, many years professionally, you know, I'm still like young at heart, like I still get a, a kick of getting on the tour bus and traveling, you know, like, uh, you know, I really, really appreciate the fans.
0: Cool.
2: Uh,
1: because the, the fans, you know, here we are excited. I mean, we're, we're still getting in, invites to play all over the world, even though we're not the original lineup. And I, I say to myself, well, I must be doing something right. Or, you know, the fans are still supporting us, even though it's not the original band, so...
2: Well, you're keeping the spirit of Exciter alive, and I mean, it's it's not only Exciter; it's it's you and, and and so many other bands where you may only have one or two original members left, but it's you know the name of the band and 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 the spirit that you guys uh, continue to uh, to fly that flag for, you know.
1: Well, that's exactly. You got to have the spirit, you know, in, in in the sound of the band. You you know, and and I've been very careful not to depart musically speaking, from what we're known for, you know? I, and, I, and when I write songs, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of stick to a formula. I, I don't want to experiment too much, you know?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it, oh. it brings you full circle back to, uh, you know, Death Machine, which I was listening to quite a bit this week, knowing I was going to be inter- interviewing you. And in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's got that raw, you know, heavy sound that you guys had on those first, you know, few records, if you will.
1: Well, I mean, that was the intent. So, uh, you know, we played that when we did South America earlier this year in March, and we had and some of the songs that we played from the album. The kids are just going crazy, you know, like the big mosh pit and fists in the air and singing along with the choruses. And this is songs from the brand new album. I so, said, you know, it makes me feel good when I see that, you know, Cause I because that proves to me. That the songwriting skill is still, uh, you know, what it was in the old days. You know, because some bands just, even though that they're, they're they're great bands and they always will be, sometimes they just lose their writing ability. Like they, they just can't write a, a wicked metal song. You know, right? Like you know they go through some sort of uh, writers syndrome. You know, and but luckily, you know, I keep putting pulling out these guitar riffs out of out of a hat <laughs> with, with, without talking to anybody that's another thing you know it's hard to write metal today without sounding like a riff that you've already heard a zillion times so you know I'm, I'm very careful when when i write uh songs
2: now back in the day you guys uh obviously had a lot of dealings with uh well i don't know about a lot but you definitely had dealings with metallica do you do you ever hear from any of those guys in recent years
1: well, you know, we were, I don't know if you know this story, but in 1984, again, when we were signed with Misinformations, uh, and Metallica and uh, a third band from, from New York, you may have heard of them, they're called The Rods.
2: Sure. Uh, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Dio's Cousins in that band, right? That,
1: right. Yep. Right. Fein- Feinstein. Yep. last yep. Name. scheduled to play a European tour called the Hell on Earth tour. The Rods, Metallica and Exciter. We were first on the bill, then Metallica, and then as far as I can remember the Rods were actually headliners. Wow. Back back in the day, you know. Yeah. So Music for Nations flew us to London. We checked in the hotel and you know, within an hour after I checked in, there was a message for me at the front desk, and it was our record company. that called them back, and I called them back, and you know, I said, "What's up?" And it's like, "All the tours canceled." I said, "What do you mean it's canceled? We just got here." You know, they said, "Well, believe it or not, poor ticket sales." Now, can you imagine today, poor ticket sales? Metallica, right?
2: Right. It's, it's unbelievable. It,
1: but yeah, yeah. So I, I said to our record, well, what are we going to do? We just got here. I mean, they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you in Metallica. We're going to give you a flat downtown. We're going to give you two weeks spending money. We're going to arrange some uh, press interviews for both bands. We'll get Metallica a local gig here, maybe at the Marquee Club here in London. And we'll get Exciter as a separate, smaller gig somewhere in the in the city. And then you can go back to Canada. I said, Okay. <laughs> That sounds good to me. <laughs> wow. So we shared a flat, like an apartment sort of thing. Metallica were downstairs, and we were upstairs for two weeks. And, you know, every day basically we just get up and go sightseeing downtown London and go for lunch and go have a beer and, you know. And uh, most mornings us and Metallica would meet up on the sidewalk because they'd be leaving to go to you know, to their day excursion, and we'd be you know ready to walk around. And uh, that's how we first met and sort of got to and Cliff Burton was still in the band. And, sure. So the night they played the Marquee Club, you know, James Hetfield says, Hey man, are you gonna come and see us? I said, Well, yeah. Of course. We'll be there <laughs> And I said I said to James, By the way, what's all that racket we hear every night down like you got they, they were below us, like an apartment below us? So you hear beer bottles smashing and, you know, people yelling. <laughs> I wow. said, James, what the hell are you guys doing down there? Well, you know, we're just having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, Yeah, I said, here we are, you know, a little wimpy, et cetera, you know, we dead in bed by 11 p.m.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and all we hear is this beer bottles and people yelling and, holy shit, man. <laughs> So anyways, the Marquee the uh, date happens and it was like surreal, okay, in the Marquee club and I'm I'm standing there having a beer with Lemmy from Motorhead, Kelly from Girls School, John Sykes from Whitesnake.
2: Whitesnake White Snake, White Snake and Lizzie, yeah.
1: And uh Joey DeMato and uh, Ross the Boss
2: from Manowar, Ross, sure.
1: Yeah, we're all standing there drinking beer, watching Metallica. So it was, like, surreal for me, right? <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here, you know? And um, so then it was our turn to play a gig, and we played in this little pub <laughs> in East London, <laughs> okay? And everything that could go wrong, like PA wise and guitars mm-hmm. going out of tune. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: And James Hetfield and Lars were sitting in this pub at the very first table in front of us. You know, here we are trying to, you know, okay, we're going to blow these guys away, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, of course, everything went wrong, you know. The PA kept cutting out, and I couldn't hear the monitors. and My guitar wouldn't stay in tune. It was a total nightmare gig. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, let's... Uh, those are good memories.
2: Yeah, sure. Did you, do you ever hear from, uh, say, Lars or James, like, in recent years?
1: No, no. I mean, see, that's the thing. You know, we sort of missed our opportunity to further our career. But, you know, they had a lot of support and, and, and a lot of big-time management. You know, they went on and, you know. No, I haven't, I haven't really talked to those guys since then, no.
2: right. Um, yeah. And in in 1985, you actually left Exciter for a number of years, uh, returning, of course, to the fold in the early 90s. W- why did you leave the band in 1985?
1: Well, see, I formed the band. I'm the original, I, I know, I put the band together in like 78. I auditioned Dan Dealer I auditioned Ellen Johnson. The band was called Hellraiser at the time, from 78 to 80. And as we got signed to record deals, as we started traveling around the world, then all of a sudden this power struggle started to happen between me and Beeler. Like, who's the boss, you know? Right. And, you know, after the Mega Death tour in 85, I think, I was stressed out so bad. I mean, I was, I, you know, I you know, here I was, you know, the founding member of the band, I was losing control over my own band, and I, I know I, I was not really agreeing with a lot of the business decisions we were making, and I quit the band. I just, I couldn't hack it anymore, you know, that, that, that's what happened. So I told Dan, you know, you want to be the boss, you want to call the shots, go ahead, do whatever, and then that's, that's what happened.
2: Hmm. And
1: so, they, so Okay, let me just finish up. Yeah,
2: absolutely, this. go ahead.
1: Okay, so they continue with another guitar player, uh, a local player from the city here, because we still had a record deal with Music for Nations that they had to fulfill, so they released um, a record called Unveiling the Wicked in 1986, and then in 1988 they put another record out called, uh, just called Exciter, and they had added a singer,
2: yeah, Dan, I mean, part of the classic sound was always Dan's voice, and, and he wasn't doing as much singing on those records, right?
1: No. I mean, even in the early days, we always wished we had a late singer frontman because we always thought watching three guys on stage is really boring unless you put on the Kiss show or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and Dan always said, I, you know, man, I just want to concentrate playing the drums, you know. I, I'm singing, I'm singing, I'm playing. I mean, little that he knew that that was part of the originality of Exciter, you know?
2: Right, sure. This
1: this, this drummer that played these wicked double bass drum style and screaming vocals. Said, Holy shit, we're going to find a singer like that, you know? So that was part of like the, the, the entertainment part of the show, you know? So I guess in later years, Dan decided I don't want to be, you know, I just want to play the drums and they hired a singer, but... In 1988, the whole band folded after that record. And then, so Dan's not doing anything, I'm not doing anything. So in 1990, I called him up. I said, let's let's pick up the pieces and uh, let bygones be bygones and let's keep going, you know. That's what happened.
2: And how, how long were you guys back together, you and Dan, then at that point?
1: Okay, so then... <laughs> okay, so... At that point, Alan was not interested in coming back with us because he was fed up, as far as I know, with the whole business, you know? So we just hired, like, a bass player. Like, he wasn't part of the band, but we just hired a bass player to... uh, We had written some songs for an album called uh, Kill After Kill, and we got signed with Noise Records in Berlin, in Germany, and that record sold okay. And then after that, we got signed with another British label called um, Bleeding Hearts. Um, and we released a live record called Better Alive Than Dead. And then after that record, Dan got, fust- like, frustrated, and he didn't want to play anymore.
2: Mm.
1: You know, like, too many disappointments.
2: Right. You
1: know? so, so here we are, 1993. So I thought he just needed a break, so once in a while I call him up I say, hey, let's get together, let's go for a beer, or hey, why don't we jam, you know, and he said, no man, I'm fed up with this. all this music business, we've had so many disappointments, we've been trying so hard over the years, and I just don't want to do it anymore, and I said, okay. Now, two years have passed, and I thought, okay, so I said to Dan, I'm going to continue the band, I'm going to call it exciter, and... You know, that's what I'm going to do. And he said, you know what, best of luck to you. Do whatever you want, and see you later. Hmm. And here I am Here I am today. Right. We got, we got signed right away in 1996 by Osmos Productions in France, uh, the managing uh, uh, guy there at, at the labels, a huge exciter fan. And when he heard that uh, I put the band back together, he called me up and signed us, slate unseen, without hearing any demo at all. Wow. Which turned out to be the songs for the Dark Command. I, I said, to his name was Hervey, I said, Hervey, you want me to send you a demo of some sort or something? You know, he says, no, nope. I trust you. I know your reputation. I know what you're capable of doing. I'll sign you, it's, it's, you know, you're considered signed. You're, you're done, you know? <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> Wow. I hope you like the songs when you hear them. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: he had that much uh much, much trust and faith in you. So that's that really says something.
1: I I know, I know. And we've been, you know, we've been going ever ever since, you know. And I know we get more press and we've had more gig offers ever than the, the original Exciter. Wow. Things are good, and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a happy place. Good. And uh, you know, me and the guys we get along really well. And uh, you know, you know, it's it, there's a fun element in the band. Like you know, we get along. Yes, there are, you know, sometimes some uh, stressful situation, business wise, but I mean, we get over it. You know. Yeah. But generally speaking, the four of us get along really well, and we all have a great sense of humor especially kenny kenny's like a joke a minute you know him and his brooklyn attitude and his uh his sense of humor you know what i'm saying
2: definitely definitely
1: (laughs) it's like watching a stand-up comic (laughs) cool kenny you know yeah so it's uh we're in a happy place right now so
2: well we do the show uh we do the talking metal show uh sometimes we'll do a live radio show version of it and maybe uh we do it in in new york city so maybe sometime we'll invite kenny to come down and join us in the studio that would be a lot of fun oh, to uh yeah. to hang with him and, and talk uh talk some metal and talk some exciter
1: yeah no for sure I, I i get you in touch with him
2: perfect um i wanted to i wanted to ask you uh you mentioned earlier there's a gig coming up in the uh, i guess the chicago area um yeah. what else is in the the immediate future uh, as far as plans go for Exciter.
1: Okay, well, we're we're writing new new songs for the next record. Um, we are talking. This is like brand new news. We are talking with a uh, someone in California who's interested in managing us.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: And actually, uh, um, which the, the the phone call will take place tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow afternoon. We're kind of really, you know, uh, feeling positive about the outcome of that. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. And uh, the other kind of neat, neat news, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it or not. um, We got contacted by Warner Brothers Films in Hollywood. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, now... I don't know if I should talk about this. Uh, I guess so. I guess I can mention it. <laughs> but there's a movie coming out next year. It's called Rock of Ages. It's based on the current Broadway show in New York right now.
2: Okay, I, I read something about Tom Cruise or something, maybe being involved with that.
1: Tom, Tom Cruise is the leading role. Apparently the movie's set in the 80s. And one of the people uh, from the movie, like one of the, uh, I guess, artistic directors or artistic artistic consultants, contacted me because they want to put the name of our band in two scenes in the movie.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
1: One scene. One scene is um, uh, outside a marquee sign outside a venue. It's going to say Exciter. Um, sold out, and another scene it's going to have the poster of our first album cover inside a venue, and it's going to say, Exciter, uh, Saturday, 11 p.m., Sunday, 10 p.m., and I've... it's an actual blown-up poster of our first album cover, Heavy Metal Maniac. Now, I don't know to what capacity you're going to see this in the movie. Right. You know, it might be like a split second. If you blink, you'll miss it. I, I, don't, I have no idea.
2: Still, it's kind of cool that they'd actually, you know, do their research and, and pick a pick a real, you know, kind of uh, maybe underground but yet credible band to uh, to feature in the so, film.
1: Again, the, the the person who contacted me has the first three albums at home.
2: Ah, there you go.
1: So, and so I gave the okay because they're looking for the consent. Um, so I gave them the okay, and uh, it'll be released. June 2012 and they're anticipating the movie's going to be like a you know a blockbuster movie so it was and you know, so' really excited about that
2: <laughs> great well I hope it happens so. <laughs> and best of luck with that yeah thank you thank you yeah cool well John I'm gonna let you go for tonight but we definitely okay. uh, want to you know keep in touch with you and hear what you guys are up to we again are in the New York and New Jersey area and we hope that when you do come through this area we uh, have a chance to uh meet up with you in person
1: absolutely so can you let me know when you're going to broadcast the uh, interview yeah or?
2: it'll probably be in about i would think uh, two weeks or less okay yeah definitely and if i could get you to say your name your band and you are listening to talking metal whenever you're ready
1: hey this is john ritchie from exciter and you're listening to talking metal
0: Oh!
2: of the dead off of Heavy Metal Maniac by Exciter, of course, 1983, originally released on Shrapnel Records, remember Shrapnel, run by Mike Varney, reissued by Megaforce more recently, good stuff, big thanks to James Smith, executive producer of today's episode. Big thanks to John from Exciter, from calling in, pretty cool about the Tom Cruise, uh, Movie that's coming out that there may be a little exciter cameo, if you will, a little exciter on the uh, on the marquee there, the poster. That's great. It's great. I hope uh, it does something for them. I don't know that it'll do anything for them like maybe the Anvil movie has done for for Anvil, but um, another Canadian heavy metal band. But hopefully, it'll bring them some far too late recognition. From such an important band, when it comes to the, uh, you know, thrash. I know they didn't. They never liked to be called thrash back in the day, but you know they were more. I used to call them speed metal. You know, they, but um, definitely when you look back at it, they were definitely thrashy. So, in retrospect, maybe not the same way that like an overkill was, but you know, they they had their own thing going on. Exciter, and I, I think they wanted too much to be like other bands, and that may have been. A problem back in the day and anyways john is still john Ricci is still flying the exciter flag high so good for him and i i hope to uh catch up with him when they come into new york city going to see caius caius lives this weekend you know uh Hopefully Nick Oliveri will be there. I've been reading on TMZ; he's having all sorts of problems, legal problems, which is sad. I thought he had cleaned up his act. Uh, he's been on the podcast a couple times before, but um, we wish him the best of luck. And looking forward to the show. I- I'm such an old man now. I just hope they don't go on too late because you know when you got to get up at 6:30 every morning with your kids, um, staying out past midnight is actually becomes not so much fun. But yet looking forward to uh, checking the show out tomorrow night at Terminal 5 here in New York City where I'm recording the podcast today down in Soho, actually, at Postworks Editing Facility where I'm working on a few different things. Been out of the the, the podcasting loop for a little bit here because it has been, uh, the last two weeks have been very busy at work. The previous two weeks, that or just dealing with hurricane issues hurricane irene issues uh just totaled my basement and uh just really fucked things up at my my house uh tree fell in my neighbor's house Uh, no one hurt at least not in our in our immediate neighborhood so uh a lot of deaths from the storm in general, though. But, yeah, we got we got clobbered. And um, as John mentioned on that previous podcast, so did Sebastian Bach. So did uh, Dora Hesch from Warlock fame. Sebastian Bach has a new record out. We may have him on the next Talking Metal live show, which is scheduled for October 18th. Let me check that. Tuesday, October 18th. Is that right? At... 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, October 18th. So please tune in for that. We'll also have a band called High Spirits on the podcast in uh in theory, tentatively, I should say. So looking forward to um doing a live show with Mr. Astronomy and Bud Friendly and the gang. So it should be it should be good. Please tune in and what else i caught cinderella last month it was one of those things where they didn't go on until almost 11 o'clock and you know our babysitter had to leave was supposed to leave at midnight so i you know i i only got to catch like a hand really like six songs or something kind of a drag um six songs i heard sounded amazing did not go to the big four show I don't know. I didn't care that much. I got to be honest. I mean, Yankee Stadium's a bitch to get to, and it was just I would have had to take off work. And, you know, I'm freelance now, so I don't get paid when I take a day off, you know. So, um, you know, that was that. I've seen all those bands, especially Anthrax, Metallica, Megadeth. Metallica and Megadeth, I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but I've definitely seen them dozens of times. Uh, anthrax i'm thinking of going and seeing seeing them down at the starland uh, ballroom and i'd love to see slayer too especially with gary holt playing guitar i think that could kind of be a fun fun thing was uh, reading that exodus almost ended up filling in from megadeth at the uh, big four show but then i guess uh, Meg, uh dave mustaine and his medical issue was surgery or whatever he was going to have was pushed back so Interesting stuff. Um, what else? Any other shows I'm going to? Yeah, Guns N' Roses is back on on tour. I know Bumblefoot's been struggling with his sore back, so we hope that he is able to uh, to get up there on stage and, and put on a good show for us and not be in too much pain. They're playing Connecticut on my birthday. It was about a three, a two and two-and-a-half, three-hour drive up there. I was considering going up there for the night. I, you know, I'm not... Again, the, these guns shows, these guys don't go on until so late, and it, it, you know it, it's it's a lot of people have have issue with that. Especially when you're going to an arena show, you expect the headliner to go on, you know, between nine and nine thirty, generally at least. That's how it's always been for me. It's like waiting until eleven thirty. It's just it's too much, man. It's too much. I, I don't know. I. I do hope to see them somewhere i know they're playing jersey i don't understand how they're they're doing arenas quite frankly i guess it's been four or five years since they toured the state and you know the guns and roses name is still big and maybe they think they can they can get get some arenas going i suspect that the arenas are not going to be sold out you know they're probably going to be playing to half filled three-quarter filled Arenas, you know, New York, sure. That will if they if they do the Garden, which hasn't been announced yet. But if they do do it, I have no inside information that they will. But if they do do it, yeah, they'll probably sell it out or come close to it because it's New York. It's it's the most heavily densely populated area of the country. You know, most bands do do well here. I I, I but I think you're going to be seeing them play to to a lot of you know half empty. Three quarters empty, or I'm sorry, one fourth empty arenas throughout the rest of the country. I, I hope I'm wrong because I love them. You, know, you guys know that. But I would have thought that it would have made a lot more, it would have looked a lot better in the press to go out and, and do theaters and sell them all out. You know, they can easily sell out 2,000 seat theaters anywhere they want. And, you know, and I'm Guns N' Roses sold out tour, you know. Would have read a lot better than Guns N' Roses, you know, playing to half-empty arenas. But again, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. So best of luck to Axel and those guys because we do love them. We do love Guns N' Roses, John and I, and um, Frank and Bumblefoot, good friends of ours. So best of luck to those guys, and I do look forward to catching them on the upcoming tour. I hope at some point. So I think that's about it right now. I'm going to play the new Alice Cooper, and we're going to have links up in today's show notes to it. I, I like it. You know, um, a lot of people, a lot of mixed reviews. I did hear the Rock and Roll Geek Shows review Michael Butler of the album and got a kick out of some of the stuff he was saying. I don't think that's auto-tune on this song. I think that's like some kind of like voice filter or something. I've heard a few people now, I think, mistaking, mistakenly – that a word mistakenly mistakenly refer to it as auto-tune i do believe it's just a filter uh as chiaki pointed out on uh the japanese metalhead show it's a uh, it's the same thing that like share used on that song a few years back and everybody all these contemporary usher and everybody else uses the same filter uh Believe me, I know what auto tune is. They had auto tune on Pro Tools back when I was making CDs, and I used it plenty of times. It actually, the thing with auto tune, it's, it's pretty hard to detect, um, unless you have a real well trained ear. Um, this is, you know, is is easy to detect what he's doing. It's just a, an effect on his voice, just like you put a, a flange or a chorus on a guitar. They're just putting this whatever you want to call it effect on his voice. Whether you like the effect or not, don't get too worked up, because it's a great song. It's Bob Ezrin in classic form. I mean, it almost invokes memories of the of the wall, Pink Floyd's The Wall for me, personally. I think, it's a, 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 I think the new Alice Cooper is a great record. I think you'll hear classic Alice sounds, classic Ezrin sounds. Bob Ezrin did Welcome to My Nightmare originally, did Kiss Destroyer, did all sorts of the babies pink floyd the wall all sorts of just great peter gabriel you'll you know great classic records uh, you'll you'll hear a lot of Ezrin on the record you'll hear even some more contemporary influences like i mean they have kesha on the record uh makes me wonder if maybe they went for lady gaga first and they didn't get her and then they got kesha on just just a thought i have but um I wouldn't be surprised if these guys are aware of what people like Lady Gaga are doing, who's definitely, we know, has a foot in the hard rock world and enjoys hard rock and and metal, for that matter, especially a lot of the classic stuff like Kiss and Alice and, you know, even Saxon and Maiden. So um, anyways, we're going to get into a little Alice Cooper right now. But before we do, let me just mention: I've been on a White Snake kick lately, guys. What an amazing band! We got to talk about the history of White Snake and how deep it actually is. I've been studying them hard lately, and uh, their their history. I, I, as, I've always been a fan, but I never really kind of understood the thread that they have all the way back to Deep Purple and and just just the just what a, what an amazing story it is uh, the white snake story so maybe we'll devote a podcast to that at some point Just the story of white snake would be great but anyways right now the story of welcome to my nightmare continues with Alice Cooper in the
0: beginning.
2: welcome to my nightmare 2 this is i am made I was of just you a shadow. use the link in today's show notes to buy it on iTunes in the beginning And support Talking Metal by making a PayPal donation on TalkingMetal.com.
0: Sh Someone to rescue your love has made me strong and forever you're the singer i'm the song